Tabletops will start after the following messages. Are you looking for something comfortable to wear and keep your brain warm while playing tabletop games? Daily Dose of Yarn makes handmade, customized beanies for all of your style and comfort needs. She can even help you with a custom beanie to represent your favorite character. Check out Daily Dose of Yarn on Instagram and Etsy to order your new favorite beanie today. In a world headed for disaster, five strangers with mysterious pasts are thrown together by the winds of fate to try to stop the unseen forces that threaten to destroy their world. Relic of the Past is a novel-length story told via a clean, custom, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons game. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are found, and at poolmedia.podbean.com. Snide's Return is a tabletop role-playing game interviews and actual play podcast. We interview content creators, Twitch streamers, and fellow podcasters, and we put out our own actual play using a variety of different systems. So come and join us, come and have a listen. You can find us on Twitter at Return Snyder. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or check out our website at www.snidesreturn.squarespace.com. This is Josh. I'm Lee Wanika. And I'm Glenn. Tabletop Journeys is made up of a team of dedicated role players, storytellers, and friends. Together, we have more than 75 years of experience in countless role-playing game systems, and we love to share our passion with you. We form Tabletop Journeys to do what we love, create epic adventures in fantastic lands with amazing people. We bring our player-driven, story-first game style to everything we do. And no matter what game world you're playing in, detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to check out our take on D&D 5e's core rules and ever-expanding content, and to explore other RPG systems and fresh new projects from indie content creators. Join the conversation and let us help you, player or storyteller, get the most out of your campaign's narrative, player characters, and NPCs. You can also find our original content and rule supplements by searching for Tabletop Journeys on DMs Guild, Kickstarter, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Tabletop. Today, we are exploring the Astral Sea with Spelljammer, space clowns, giant hamsters, uh, beholders uh, in space, I guess, (laughs) beholder asteroids. Uh, We're going to talk everything about this new setting release from Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons & Dragons 5e, and talk a little bit about its history as well. With me, I have Shade, who you all know and love, and a new co-host, Tim. Hi. Tim, how are you? Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Tim Gardner. Uh, The end? No. uh, (laughs) No. Hey, a long-time nerd, first-time podcaster, big fan. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I go way back with Dungeons & Dragons, way back to my elementary school days in the late 80s, early 90s, get off my lawn. Spelljammer was a big component back then. It was a big revelation for me back in the day. Yeah, can you, like, let's start there, because Spelljammer is such a strange setting. I think everybody can kind of just start with that agreement. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your history with it, the history of the setting and like, like what it is, when it came out, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, so back in my early days, it was just my friend Dave and I, we were the only D and D kids. Uh, so Dave and I didn't play much D and D. Uh, we just read a lot of it because he had, (laughs) he had the books and, you know, we tried, you know, very, a lot of fits and, you know, fits and starts of, uh, trying to get games going with people, with friends, with kids in the neighborhood and never really stuck, you know, 
That, but that's how you just play Dungeons that's, and Dragons, that's how, though. Right, that's how you tried. <laughs> but back in the day, it was a little bit more difficult because we had Thacko, and that was a real pain in the butt because mm. this is like second edition AD&D stuff. Uh, more math, more, more math, math, more math. More crunchy math. <laughs> Negative numbers are good. Um, so yeah, a lot of that. So that so it was a lot of Dave and I just like just pouring over these books. Uh, and we were just like, you know, a lot my personal hunt back then was like well i gotta find the good art because back in the day the art was very hot and cold so yeah, i was in right. it for the like well this picture of a lit of a lich is is dope as hell and then this lit picture <laughs> of a bug bear looks weird like a teddy bear that has fur <laughs> rubbed off that's confusing um so, so yeah it was just a lot of lore hounding i guess you could call it for my friend and i back in the day and you know conventional fantasy setting that it was we thought that was it mm-hmm. and lo and behold 1989 rolls around what should show yes. up but spell jammer well that sounds cool as shit <laughs> it's got the word it's got the word jam in it so it's already and i love jam raspberry's my favorite right. I think cool musicians too like yeah, yeah i was gonna man, say jamming. this is the late 80s so jam yeah <laughs> so yeah man we're jamming on music all right this is cool and he gets it obviously before me because that he he that's what he that was his job he was the provider that was his role his role yes. was provider of nerdery um right and he comes over one weekend and he's like now, Tim, you know about you know about ships in the ocean, right? Go, yeah, <laughs> like big tall ships. You know, yeah, he's like, now what if those were in space? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and you're like, those that wouldn't work, <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, everyone's dead. He's like, no. <laughs> what if I told you? <laughs> and then he went on to tell me uh, all about how they have their own pockets of air, their own gravity, all the all the weird quasi-physics of it works, the conjunction of spheres, shall we say, the crystal spheres. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was a lot. It just kind of it blew our minds. It opened our eyes to a much wider realm of possibility than we had ever thought could be. Um, and then, of course, that led us to, like, you know, explore stuff like Dark Sun. And we went even right. deeper and stuff, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but it was Spelljammer was really the that you know foothold of things can be bigger than what they are, and nothing is too weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, like inhospitable climate plus spells plus cool fan- fantasy stuff equals setting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I know it sounds like it sounds like on the surface like. <laughs> a prog rock band in terms of like describing <laughs> of like it's niche, it's nicheness, it's nicheness of it. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like, wow, there's so much going on and it, it turns a lot of people off, you know? Yeah. Um, like Emerson, Lake and Palmer type of stuff. Like that's <laughs> the theme music to this is Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Um, it was just, it was just dope as hell. I mean, you had not only were they galleons in space, but you had, ships that look like a nautilus in space and oh yeah mind flayers <laughs> are way more prevalent in space and not necessarily evil they might they might be friendly exactly exactly what, what? yeah <laughs> okay so so spell jammer came out this is all happening your mind has been expanded in this way i was seven years old it was intense man <laughs> <laughs> uh you you grew immediately grew a long like hairband style <laughs> mullet and you just immediately started throwing dice in space. I love it. Shade, what about you? What's your kind of history with Spelljammer? So, uh, you know, I had a kind of a similar experience to Tim in that uh, my early days, I didn't have the good fortune to really play a lot of D&D or anything like that. Um, my mom actually uh, played some D&D in high school and uh and got in trouble with, you know, family and Ooh. things like that. Um, it was, it just was one Satan. of those things. Yeah. So it was one of those things that like my family was totally, my, my parents were totally cool with that stuff, but you know, we just didn't play it in our house. Um, I, we lived far away from people and gathering right. people. Just, so similarly, I also just kind of consumed anything I could read about. And I got to play a few games in college and things like that. But truthfully, my first chance to actually play in a Spelljammer setting was with Tim. Um, ah. I had only ever really had the good fortune to read it uh, up to that point. And then 
uh, Tim started up a fifth edition game uh, about, I don't know, six months after 5e's release, I want to say. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and we played through that and um, and gosh, within a couple of years had found our way to a spell jammer. And mm-hmm. um, he says found. I say, well, <laughs> I say, I mean, directed. I was orchestrating it all from behind the screen, but continue. Sorry. Puppeted yeah. as my, <laughs> my plaything. Yes, this is, but, but, you know, our characters found the way. Yes. And I was so jazzed about that personally, just because <laughs> um, this is a setting. Uh, and, and, you know, anyone who's listened to the podcast before knows I love multiversal shit. I love the wild and weird and. Uh, and completely out there in the just infiniteness of it all. And um, this is one of those gateways into that. Uh, so I was, I was very much on board. And uh, I, I've got to say, Tim did a fantastic job uh, putting together some homebrew rules uh, for a 5th edition campaign. I think this was even before Ghosts of Saltmarsh, which... Uh, it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> it was, it was stressful. Yeah, but you nailed it. And, uh, as DMing always is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we, so we got sort of your, both of your personal histories. My personal history with Spelljammer is that I usually confuse it with Planescape. So mm. I, I, I am kind of coming into this with my mind unexpanded. I have seen a lot of advertising recently with like space clowns and, you know, weird shit. <laughs> and I, so I want to, from you two who are like historically steeped in this uh, setting, what the heck is Spelljammer? And can you like basically give me like between the two of you what this setting is and then what it's like really good for when you're running a campaign and what, what does it allow you to do that like Forgotten Realms doesn't? Uh, well, so, you know, I, I was overly harsh on Forgotten Realms a while back. Uh, I, I, I do want to say I, I, I should have been much more gentle with it because honestly, it's a fantastic setting. That little aside um, put away, what Spelljammer does is that it says, oh, cool, you're playing in Forgotten Realms or Dark Sun or Eberron or wherever the fuck you want your setting to be placed. But you also want to, I don't know, maybe take a trip to another setting. Uh, or you just want to take a trip to anywhere you could possibly fucking imagine. Cool. Let's do that. And let's also give <laughs> you an opportunity to have a high seas adventure, except for the sea is the ocean. Uh, or sorry, the, the sea ast- is space. Yeah. <laughs> the, astral the astral sea. The, astral <laughs> the sea is like, the, the sea ocean. Is the ocean. <laughs> Stay with you guys. The sea is yeah. red. <laughs> it's bluish green. Get ready. Yep. So... So yeah, the the astral sea it's it's there, and the ships are called spell jammers, correct? Well, we're yeah. gonna really split hairs. Yeah, the spell jammer <laughs> is the helm that controls the ship that makes it into what it is. Uh, yep. Otherwise, it's just a very elaborately designed ship that will just kill you in the vacuum of the void. <laughs> With one exception, of course. With one exception, which is not mentioned in fifth edition. I don't no, think. it is not, and I was pissed yeah. off about that. So, um, yeah, you take you want, spell, you want to tell oh, them what it is? I'll, I'll go dive in. So the spell jammer from which all spell spell jammers get its name, their names rather, uh, is a massive ship in the shape of a manta ray. And it has a city of essentially entrapped individuals. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, Tim, but I don't recall uh, any indication that anyone there was like, I want to move to the city inside of the spell jammer i think it's just like if if humanoids get near it they like ch- the spell jammer tries to charm them to live there yeah and the spell jammer was like this whole thing where it kind of yeah created itself or right. it's just it's a living thing yeah it's a living mm. ship it's 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 uh maya from farscape uh yeah. gotcha if maya was into psychically dominating you <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is this Again, I am so uninformed about Spelljammer. Is the manta ray sigil? No, no, no. Okay, Sig- no. Sigil. The manta, no. The manta ray is Spelljammer. Yeah. Oh. Uh, the manta ray. Yeah. So yeah, it, like every helm, Spelljammer helm gets its name from the Spelljammer, which is this sentient 
possibly offspring of a forgotten god or it's something that will become a god when it matures mm. we don't know type of thing uh, and and wizards just totally canned it with the new release um, no i wouldn't say canned it i would say yeah. they left it out <laughs> sure probably maybe in another book i mean they replaced it with that asteroid city uh that i can't recall mm. off the top of my uh, name the, the the rock um yeah, the, the rock yeah instead uh, of having the spell jammer like a floating city on the back of a giant they just went Half an asteroid with a giant city on its back. It's the Rock of Brawl. Um, I thought Rock of yes. Brawl did have an older, uh, some some legacy to it. That but... I that I don't have filed away in my. Uh, oh, actually, no. <laughs> in your brain space. Many large cities like the, like the Rock of Brawl have a permanent scavenger crew whose job is to kill scavenger. Yep, there it is. The Rock of Brawl is in the original. Okay. Setting. But oh, nice. but they have definitely kind of sidelined that all the same. And, you know, that's I, I know we're talking setting, but when we eventually kind of talk a little bit about the book uh, for fifth edition, that is something that I think I will certainly talk about or mention, you know, Wizards has a habit of giving you a little without giving you at all yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, they do tend to. Uh, stay on the side of like, hey, if you want it to be there, put it in there. But we're not going to write it into existence mm-hmm. right now, at least. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So this this setting yeah. is kind of a mix of high seas adventure mm-hmm. and multiversal space chaos. So, like, what is this setting good for? Like, why? Why? What? Does it offer players and DMs uh, and things uh, and people who interact with it that, you know, other settings you just don't, aren't able to do with it? You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I think, well, personally for me, what it offered was a break from kind of like you want to break the tropes, right? Like, ah, mm-hmm. man, why do my players always have to be evil? What if some of them were okay? <laughs> you know, that type, just that alone, you know? So I think it's a, a way for to explore people. Like it's kind of dipping your toe in the pool of I'm ready for something new. I want to try something different. And this is the way to introduce you to that concept. It's right. it's your it's your um Smash Brothers of role playing games <laughs> because you go like, Oh man, what if Dragonlance and Greyhawk and uh, you know, <laughs> Fandolin and uh, uh gee, Faerun and uh, what if Driz was there? Yeah, yeah, and they all mashed together and they. <laughs> it's, it's like a way. It's a shortcut. Oh, it's a way to do that, and that's not wrong. It's it, yeah, yeah. It's a way to facilitate and, that. And, and Driz Panther, he jumps on the back of a prismatic dragon and then flies through space. But then they meet a giant space hamster and like what? Yeah, man, yeah. those exist. They're real. And yeah, so. Yeah, so that's why people are, I think people are put off of it because of that inherent campiness value to it. Mm. But I mean, with any D&D thing, at least this again, from my own perspective, it's a, it's a, it's a diving board into whatever you want to do with it. You don't like yeah, giant space yeah. hamsters, you don't have to use them. You don't want X, Y, or Z, you don't have to use it. It's all about germs of ideas, I think. Um with explicit rules, which makes which helps if you just want to run the thing to get you know used to it. Um, so yeah, I, 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 that's what's good for. It's good for making all of your favorite settings kiss. It's it's for, it's making all of your favorite characters be around each other, and it's ma- and it's giving you an opportunity to have your level eighteen ranger move into a setting that he you know just. Hey, my my Isn't yeah, part yeah of, he's not yeah. a part of my now my level eighteen ranger. This guy's going to you know, res, he's going to go to Dark Sun. Yeah, how's he going to deal with the lack of trees? Let's find out. <laughs> so this this dude loves water. There's none yeah, of it over there. Hope you what's going to happen? Hope you like silt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. So that's how I always viewed it. At least it's just a diving board for 
whatever you want. So Shade, that's like a great sort of summary of like what it can do. It sounds like it basically just opens the realm, like it just opens the doors to and say like all of these limitations of other settings that we've kind of put on either inherently or explicitly, like they are all gone <laughs> and you are able to, to do the things that you were not uh, able to before. You can move settings. You can like introduce this campy weirdness. You can also go super, you know, like there's a mind flare in water deep. And then one day you see a, a boat fly into the sky and you chase him on your own boat. And Hey, it becomes uh, a mind, uh, a, a spell jammer campaign. But like, what does the setting like lore wise offer you as like um, hooks and things like that? Like, um, you know, Waterdeep has a bunch of these kind of hooks uh, that kind of bring you in with established lore. Does Spelljammer have that sort of thing? I, we, I should clarify. Are you specifically speaking about the fifth edition book? Uh, or do you mean, or I apologize, the one D&D book? Uh, <laughs> or do you mean uh, the setting historically or... See, this is a great this is a great chance to start maybe separating these out. Let's talk about um, historically what was that, and then what direction is Wizards going in with this new release? Is it the same? Is it completely different? Uh, that's a really great distinction. So let's kind of talk about both. So I think historically, I mean, Tim really hit the nail on the head. It it gives you uh, freedom and oper- jumping points. Um, I will say. One of the really cool things uh, about Spelljammer is that it adds a greater diversity uh, to your cast of NPCs, players, monsters uh, that maybe wasn't there before. Um, you know, and a, a NPC race, I don't believe before 5th edition they were ever a playable race of memory serves, but Tim, please correct me. The GIF or... Uh, because they're now saying that it could also be GIF, right. uh, but the GIF um, <laughs> are were at one point these these hippo, uh, essentially British colonialists, yeah, right. and the idea of British colonialists in space going about kind of like humrumping about magic and things like that, um, because you know, oh, it's so silly. Um, that's right. (laughs) Uh, you know, that is such a wonderful, oh my gosh, what would it be like if our party, our, our party of nothing but wizards, uh, because we thought that was a great idea to do and that go, um, (laughs) you know, what, what if they encountered GIF who thought our magic was silly and, uh, had these motivations that are very different from our own. Uh, and are carrying guns as well. Um, they're nine feet tall. <laughs> yeah, they're nine feet tall. So it's it's a great idea starter. Um, but from the fifth edition standpoint, what this setting... Uh, I mean, this setting still does that, largely. But as far as hooks, as compared to... I, I think what maybe you were asking was, as compared to like Water Dra- or Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Mm. Um, they released a... Uh, th- there are two things. They released for free via D&D Beyond uh, a lovely um, Spelljammer Academy uh, mm-hmm. advent- adventure. I think it was four or five uh, chapters. And it was kind of saying, okay, your group is set in Faerun and uh, they find their way to Spelljammer Academy. Um, And there was this fun little adventure alongside that. The Spelljammer uh, book actually has an adventure as well. Um, It's uh, the Light of Xerixis. Thank you. I really appreciate that because I could not recall it. Yes, Light of Xerixis, um, which also has, you know, a really fun adventure uh, that puts you at odds really with uh, the Astral Elves. Um, Mm. And I would say, honestly, you know, this is this is one of the things that I took away from this edition. they have, because I was speaking about the GIF earlier, they have taken away the British colonialism for uh, valid reasons right. and obvious <laughs> reasons. Um, but uh, I would say that that colonialism is still there with the Astral Elves. It's just slightly mm-hmm. different. Now, it's instead of being British colonialism, now it's 
it's the Empire from Star Wars. Yeah. Still very British, still very evil, um, but different. And, you know, I'm also kind of painting with broad strokes here. It's not entirely that. No, I mean, it's it's interesting you say that because I just recorded and it will come out in a, a few weeks, uh, an interview with a um, cultural sensitivity consultant that works on uh, TTRPG mm-hmm. design. <laughs> and one thing that they would say is that one thing that they would read for is like, uh, I don't know if you knew, but you just recreated colonialism in, in your game. <laughs> uh, so it's like pretty like I think it's interesting that that's still the the like seeds the the stuff is still in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I I don't know. Do you do you agree with that, Tim? I don't know uh, if I'm painting at least the uh, the Astral Elves and the Adventure of Light of Xerxes correctly, but that was kind of my read. Of no, them. that was my read too. You it, it yeah the the austere type of power that's in, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that over, that overbearing power that casts that a, kind of waspy sensibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You go, yeah. When you're eating dinner with them and they're just like shooting daggers at each other, like, Oh yeah, the meal's really good. You know? Yeah. No, oh, yeah. No, a little salty. Don't you think, you know, that type of like, we eat in silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the awkward pause and just the clattering of a uh, cutlery. Uh, yeah. Um, that's really interesting. I think that uh, it's cool to know that there's that they are accepting, like you said, Shade, this sort of um, the addition of kind of limitless possibilities and also throwing. I think that one of the things that I got out of it from my kind of cursory glance is like them creating stuff like the space clowns and, you know, the giant hamsters and all that. The, all of that stuff is kind of to say like, you are unconstrained here. Like, let yourself go completely wild and this setting allows you to put it in. Like, if you want to have, like, giant lunar moths that fly through space and, like, their dust, like, destroys, like, spelljammer masts. I don't know, whatever. Um, Like, that's fine because we have space clowns. Everything is fine. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, like, like, that's, it's you're right it's it's a germ of an idea use this if you want go take it harder if you want or soften it if you want like it's it's just giving you permission yeah and i think just because i'm super interested i know shade you love mind flayers like can we can we talk a little bit about what their role in the setting because i like they are essentially in like um forgotten realms and a couple of others usually they play the role of sort of these monolithic evil sort of like un un understandable creatures that just are essentially stand-ins for cultists in lovecraft <laughs> i i love mind flayers but you know who really loves mind flayers who Tim. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> you can't so i would love love to speak but i think i should pass this to no, Tim. you really. can speak but i mean this podcast doesn't matter. Cut this out if you want, Nick. There is a picture of me as a mind flayer hanging up behind me. Right <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't yeah. see it. Now I do. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll bring it closer. Um, it's so goddamn good. That you got to send me a picture of that, by the way, so that I can put it on Twitter. <laughs> sure. For context, I wear I wear a green fez with a D twenty on it that when I DM, so that mind flayer has my glasses and is glasses and is wearing a D twenty, uh, a D twenty fez. Anyway, so. So yeah, mind players. What about him? Do you want to know? <laughs> I mean, everything, Tim. Let me devour all of the mind flayer knowledge in your brain. <laughs> it might be good because I'll. I will just say right now, in the fifth edition, fifth edition book, not a lot of mind flayer action going on. No, mm, not a ton. Um, but historically, they're there, and I think that's maybe what we want to chat about. Yeah, historically. They're the big freaking. Uh, they're the they're what lurks in the shadows of the void of space. Historically speaking, mm. like they are. Okay. They are that threatening, otherworldly, truly alien presence, right? Yeah. That's their whole shtick. But in the Spelljammer setting, they say, "Yep, they're still there. They got creepy. They got creepy ships. Uh, that you know, they're Spelljammer helms, but they're kind of not because they yeah. they attune psychically as opposed to magically." Um, you got you know they got uh, this whole this whole rules about attuning to a mind flayer <laughs> spelljammer helm. Um, if you were to 
to overtake their ship. But yeah, the the Illith, this is the setting was giving Illithids permission to like not all be inherently evil. Um, yeah, you could have it's like, hey, those guys over there, they're the bad pirates, but those ones, those are the fun pirates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, you know what's cool? Uh, if yeah, they're a hive mind, but what if you had a few guys? Or gals, or actually, they're they're pretty genderless. What if you have a oh, few yeah. of them? Because mind flayers reproduce through tadpole and, muta- oh. and, and mutation. What if you had a few squids that were not? <laughs> yeah. What if you had a few of them that broke broke away from the mind, uh, and they were just trying to make a living and apply their trade, or just get by in this in in the sphere, in the crystal sphere? Do they there. still do they still have to devour minds? There's some biological things you can't get past. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, okay, I'm not an apologist. They still eat brains. Listen, I'm just, hey, just like Michael. But, hey, hey, Michael. This one's a carpenter. Yeah, this you know one what? eats brains and is a carpenter. Yeah, but you know what? The people whose brains he devours, maybe they had it coming. You know, maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. he sources his food a little bit more ethically than his kin would historically. You know, like, yeah. so it's that whole thing. I mean, I in my setting that I shoehorned into the game I was running to make my friends, like, when Shade's saying I introduced them give us a fantastic experience let's just put it that way <laughs> because my motivation was I'm going to test my friends <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put Spelljammer into the game that we've been playing for at that point like three four years yeah, I, I'm yeah. like I'm excited about it I hope my excitement will rub off on them and I hope how I'm interpreting it and making this setting my own for my then fifth edition game in which there was no official literature on how to do any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I hope my reworked version of it will get my friends into it and expose them to it. And that's what I did. I had, I had the gif that were, you know, balking you know, at magic and like, this is quite a wonderful whimsy. <laughs> yes. Cute. Uh, you know, I had the gif doing that. I had, I had mind flayers that broke away from the hive because their ceramorph was a ceramorphosis, or how you yep. want to pr- pronounce that? Yep. Didn't quite go as planned. So you had <laughs> different mind flayers with different quirks about them. Like you had Octavius, who could speak with his mouth, but because he had a beak, <laughs> it was quite lispy. And yeah. then you had, but he still had to eat brain. He still had to devour intellect. Then yeah. you had another mind flayer that. Uh, maybe underneath his tentacles was a human mouth. He could speak fine. He could eat human food. Uh, you know, so you had, so it was just introducing, like pushing all this at them. Uh, you know, like, look, it's a UNT, but don't worry. They're not inherently evil. Uh, mm. That, you know, that UNT just wants to sell you their goods. You know, so I, that, do, yep. I do like that in Spelljammer, it does sound like with this opening up of the canon, essentially, that they are. You're essentially removing the morality. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. The morality of certain like species and all that kind of stuff, which I think is very cool. Like that's yes. fun. And, and that was because that's what I also really had a passion for was removing morality from a race of things. Mm. Yes. Uh, I always because it's listen, if you're a devil or a demon, you're meant to be the, you know, elemental okay. version of that thing. And that is right. malice and hatred or. Or like the, demons are literally chaos that swirls around and like finds a physical form. Yeah, so they're, they're it's like a little different. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know, and devils are lawfully self-serving. Like they have a code, but they don't care about you. Like, yeah, that's yeah. that's different. That's that's metaphysical. I will. Sure. I will let that slide to a degree unless it's <laughs> a more interesting narrative can come up. But in terms of like an organic race, shall we say that? is you know reproduces has to eat has a natural yeah. lifespan no you're not you shouldn't be inherently evil like yeah so yeah the illithid is you know they're why are they evil it's because they eat they... sentient things <laughs> yeah that's because, really the only reason <laughs> well then everybody's evil then ain't it you know yeah. they're evil because they <laughs> because they inherently consume sentient things yes okay yeah but um, but yeah. So that was also my way of trying to break the whole like, just because that's a bugbear, you could be a hugbear. You never know. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So this actually is a great kind of transition into um, another thing that we like. Shade, you've already mentioned this, and that I'm really interested in as well. The new book came out, and this yeah. is the five E or one D and D version of Spelljammer so far. 
and mm-hmm. what are the the good things about what's in the book? What does it do really well? What are the things that where it maybe came a little short or stuff wasn't written in that you wish that it was written in? And then eventually we'll do sort of a um, buy, borrow, pass on this new sort of setting book as well. So uh, who Great. wants to start us off on like what they their kind of analysis is? So I'll just kick in. Um, fifth edition doesn't know how vehicles work. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, and it really sucks. Like, I think everyone, uh, anyone who plays, specifically anyone who uh, manages, d- d- does a dungeon master or game master or whatever, uh, runs games, probably expected uh, for this to maybe kind of miss the mark Mm. uh, in terms of of actually giving you good mechanics for your ships. Um, They did did some things uh, with uh, Ghost of Greymarsh and Saltmarsh. Whoops, Saltmarsh. I knew that sounded wrong. Ghost of Saltmarsh that were, I don't know, what what did you think about those? Because I found them pretty lacking overall I mean, it, those ship rules are uh, you talking about salt marsh or are you talking uh yeah salt salt marsh first yeah it was lacking but it was something you know it was mm-hmm. yeah. it was so like like you said when we started i started that my shoehorn spelljammer into our before salt marsh got released and when salt marsh got released you better believe i ran to that and rethought a lot of stuff that i shoehorned in because mm-hmm. i was hungry for that vehicle yeah. stuff but it was still pretty lacking yeah, overall. it was but um, it, yeah. it was like oh maybe this is a portent of things to come we were so young and naive oh man um yeah i i would say for this they they didn't even really utilize the salt marsh rules they had already established and there's a lot of contradicting rules in this as well uh, missing information i was reading uh there's something that someone pointed out and of course i've lost it now but there is a spell that is outright referenced in this book and it is nowhere in the book um it's other than this one reference like and it's it's italicized to indicate yeah you'll be able to find this in the spell list Mm -hmm. and it's it's just not there um you know that's that's the kind of unfortunate reality of this book it just it, it says spell jammers are a thing um they can only go like 40 feet per round and um instead of Using Wait, 40 them. And feet, this, you can run faster well, than sorry. a spell, spell jammer? <laughs> it, when, when, it's, when it's out and about on, like, uh, next to... Like, if it's in something's gravitational sphere, um, that's how fast it moves. And if you want to do any kind of, like, battles, ship battles, you can maybe utilize some of the weapons, the ballista and things like that on it, but it would be better if you just simply kind of like boarded the opponent's ships. <laughs> can, can I read? Can I read that particular Please. thing? Unfo- yes. Yeah, page twenty-five of spell of the new Spelljammer book. Um, such weapons are slow to load and fire. Player characters are almost better off using their own weapons and spells in ship-to-ship combat. Reserving shipboard weapons for targets that are too far away to be damaged by other means. Mm. So they are like they are insisting, please bo- do boarding stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which you know, on the one hand, if you think of a high seas adventure, um, and when you think of the fact that like, okay, well, it's my character, and my character's this big damn hero, and um, part of that is going to be like. You know, the part anytime you see like a pirate genre of uh, television show or, or movie or something, one of the most exciting things is when they swing over and they are then having the battle on on the other on the other ship. But it's, it's also ridiculous that at some point we're not going to use cannons or something to that effect right. um, in any meaningful manner. And I feel like you could write some weird bit of lore into it to like apply both. Like you could have it so that like the masts of a spell jammer 
uh, since they require so heavily, like of like on magic or something, they would attract the magical energies of the whatever you're firing from one shipboard thing to another shipboard thing, so that you can use it to like break the mass, and they can't move, and then you have to board to take over the ship or something. Like you know what I mean? Right. And what you're describing to a degree is kind of the original rule set in, in the AD and D book. Yeah. They they mm. they have rules about how the ship breaks apart when it reaches zero hull points, and right. it talks about the effects of that type of thing. You know, gravitational wells, essentially, <laughs> magical yeah. wells. Mm-hmm. So, so it kind of sounds like the 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 designers are really into the NPCs that this offers, the the new maybe spell settings, that kind of stuff. But they're still trying to move away from vehicles. It's <laughs> like I've I've seen I've been in a couple five E campaigns. I have to say, every single time there's some sort of mounted combat rules or a vehicle gets involved. It just sort of becomes a little hazy because it doesn't feel as defined. Five E's or one D and D's greatest strength is it's open-endedness. Mm. It's hand waviness. If you want, it's the rule of cool. Right. But it's a double, it's a double bladed It's a double edged sword on that because now when we want more specified rules for certain things, we don't have those. So putting the onus on the you know the DMs to make their own rule set for specific things that aren't covered in the book. So then you start thinking to yourself, why did I buy? Why is, what's the point of a book then if I don't have rules for these things that I can reference a little bit? You know. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of I think the a lot of tension is coming from I, I believe. So as a grog as a grognard, I loved I love fifth edition's uh stream <laughs> streamlined nature believe me but it does you know it's very lacking part of that is is on display in this unfortunately yeah so it sounds like the the lower kind of parts of this book is a lack of a, a real set of rules to implement some of the spell jammer because like in a spell jammer campaign from everything you guys have told me one of the big things about it is being on a spell jammer <laughs> so it sounds like mm-hmm. one thing that they they the lower points of this book is that they don't give you a real codified set of rules to make that feel um like streamlined and sort of like rules that you can learn and this is how they work what are the things that like really lift this up into a, a place that's like exciting or something that you got out of the book that you were really happy with yeah um personally i I think the adventure is pretty okay. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Uh, I think that adventure is worth playing. I think, uh, and if you haven't uh, also gotten the free one, I think which is still available on Beyond. Gosh, if, if not, I'm very sorry. I directed you to that. <laughs> um, I thought I thought the Spelljammer Academy adventure was pretty neat too. Um, a great way to kind of introduce the setting overall. And moreover. I think the, I mean, obviously the player races, there's a lot of great value there. And the monsters, I mm-hmm. mean, who doesn't want more, more monster stab blocks? Oh my God, the monsters. They brought back my boy uh, because I love me the dark, mysterious types, the Zodar. Um, <laughs> which are just, you give, give me a mysterious thing. I, w- I love it. And that's literally <laughs> yeah. what the Zodar are. Don't like, don't explain anything about it. That's how I like it. <laughs> well, well, see, that's what I mean. There's the double edged sword because here I am complaining about like yeah they don't explain enough in this book, and yet here I am. I'm saying like you have a mysterious like the Zodar are back, and like literally their whole shtick is like what they can say up to twenty five words. And they don't, like, the moment that they say something, it's important. So, like, if a Zodar says, run, you fucking, fucking have got to run the <laughs> fastest you've ever ran in your yeah. life. Yeah, so they, and they can only speak three times, and on the third time, they're done. Wow. They're gone. So, yeah, so, so like, yeah every time is, like, the most important thing that it can say, or it thinks it will ever uh, say. Yes. <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it effing talks, it can only say 25 words, and they're going to be very important. Yeah. And the whole Zodar is just like, people are like, I don't know, that's just a Zodar, like Zodar are around and people just have to accept it. No one knows their, what, <laughs> you know, what, what their deal is. They're just like, yeah, they're like this armory, black clad, robot looking thing that kind of floats around uh, doing its things. And yeah, you can pal around with them, but they're not great conversationalists. <laughs> they're, they're really um, more the know? strong, silent type. <laughs> Very silent. Yeah. 
You know what this kind of reminds me of in a way? This whole thing yeah. kind of reminds me of the Fast and the Furious uh, franchise. <laughs> family? Okay. What about family? <laughs> I, me too. I, I just love family. Um, because it's sort of like the it is campy. It's crazy. It just gets wilder and wilder and everything is accepted. And that's what makes it amazing. And the things that make yeah. it like, what is like, how did they just drive a car to space? <laughs> <laughs> yeah how did they drive a ship to how space? did they take that galleon yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's really good to know so if, if, it seems uh, like this release is a little like mechanics light but like yeah. set dressing monsters npcs locations it sounds like that's all in there to really yeah. give you a place to go hog wild in yeah i sorry sorry tim i do i did want to ask you something because i was curious about your opinion on this tim okay um speaking uh speaking of like kind of making streamlining rules which as you as you said fifth, fifth edition one dnd has done very well um i personally like this but crystal spheres and the phlogiston are gone um how did you feel about that it's not gone in my book. Nah. <laughs> so, no. I mean, but but I even I even I like cobbled that together in my own campaign. Yeah. Like I didn't use crystal spheres. I used phlogiston though. Yeah. You know, it's the mem it's it's I made it more about interdimensional travel and the membrane between realities as opposed to literal crystal spheres of solar systems that bump into each other. Yeah. yeah. You know. So yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that. And because oh, oh, I was just gonna say, Nick, just to for for anyone who hasn't uh, got experience with these, uh, as as Tim said, um, crystal spheres kind of contained a solar system inside of them, and then uh, there were portals that could open up in the spheres, and you could sometimes force a portal to open up or force a portal to close, and yada yada yada, and that's how you got out into the phlogiston, which was this flammable substance uh, that highly flammable, yeah, highly flammable, <laughs> uh, that held all of the crystal spheres together. So, like for example, um, <clears throat> the solar system of Toril, the world uh, in which Faerun exists the forgotten realm setting uh is an entirely different solar system than uh shoot i just forgot what the world for dark sun is but for example athos yeah um and i'm pretty sure i'm correct on that they're in different solar systems and uh <laughs> yeah no they all, everything yeah. yeah exactly every setting's its own solar yeah system. and um like greyhawk <laughs> right exactly and so if you wanted to go to those worlds you had to travel to the edge of your solar system go through the crystal sphere, however you're able to do that, whether you had something you could detect where portals were going to be or uh, make a portal, travel safely through the phlogiston fl uh, mm -hmm. and then make it through the other crystal sphere. Um, so it was this kind of wild experience. Um, but in, in this new fifth edition, they say, okay, there is wild space. Uh, mm -hmm. and that intersects with the astral sea and mm -hmm. that intersects with the material plane and you just travel. You just travel. You um, know what I think it is though? Um, because I'm, I'm listening and I'm like, man, that sounds so cool and unique when you talk about the, like the spheres and all that, but that mm -hmm. might be why they didn't include it. Cause like their, their direction with one D and D is so that every, setting and like idea essentially can exist at the same time and by yeah. establishing like a really clear way that the the multiverse is like not so much a multiverse but like a a, a locational thing mm -hmm. like it might it might undermine that so maybe that's why they went with a oh different yeah thing. 100 crawford has said time and time again it is one material plane there used to be separate material planes it is now one material plane and mm -hmm. every every world exists within it it's just a matter of how far away those worlds are um and i think that this is very much in keeping no you know like more more like a, of a, a galaxy or universe yeah. view of things yeah it'd be interesting to because like <laughs> i want to be careful how i say this I read a lot of Warhammer 40k lore. I'm not like a Warhammer 40k person, but I just, it's sure. kind of endless. So I just read it sometimes. 
sure. Oh yeah. yeah. But it feels like you could Who hasn't? <laughs> it feels like you could kind of do something similar where like you know how in 40K the warp is essentially you just like puncturing through real space mm-hmm. and going straight to hell. <laughs> then you come out the yeah. other side in a different location. It feels like they yeah. could have done something where it's all sort of in the astral sea and stuff, but you have to, in order to travel fast enough to get from one place, one plane to another, essentially, that you had to puncture something and go into that really flammable substance <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And then that way kind of keep the spirit of the spheres. You know what I mean? I, I mean, they, they definitely still kind of have that. Um, yeah. It's, it's different, though. Um, now the wild space. So, like... Um, Faerun, Toril's world, that, that wild space entry point into the astral plane could be very far away when you travel through the astral sea, uh, to the next wild space jump, uh, mm. into another world that I, I just have forgotten every, <laughs> every single one name. of them. Yeah. <laughs> I can just, remember. Just Toril. go with Athos again. Athos, just yeah. go with I, Athos. I already forgot Athos. That was the thing. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I want to ask for people who buy these additions just for the greater amount of like class options and stuff like that, does it get, it gives you a bunch of new races. I know like a, a bunch of different new player characters you can create. Does it create, give you new classes, any new features, no. anything like that, no. that allows you to, to customize player characters a little bit more? Just the races, yep, just the races. In fact, there are only two spells in this. Uh, I'm sorry. Two and a third one that's referenced but isn't in the spell list. Um, I'm like desperately going through the book to try and find that third. Yeah, one. I, I, I'll, I'll see if I can find that. Send it but, to me. Uh, I'll throw it in a Twitter post. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it is just the races uh, of which there are six. Okay, and yep. of which one of those is another elf. Right. Um, I love elves. Don't the get Astro. me wrong. Yeah. yeah, but you like elves now. Get space. Yeah. Elves. So. So I'm kind of getting a feeling from the way that we're kind of talking through this uh, book already, but I would love to get your um, buy, borrow, pass sort of, uh, you know, feelings on it. Um, from what I have heard, just to kind of summarize again, it's a fu- like a freaking awesome setting where anything is possible and like very flexible to whatever DMs needs that they have. Um, but let's say about what this book gives players and DMs. Is it a buy, borrow, pass in your opinion? Let's start with you, Tim. Oh, you can't tell me. I mean, <laughs> freaking fanboy. I'm going to say buy it, even though I don't, even though there's like glaring holes. In okay. It. I, I, yeah, I'll say, I'll try to keep this really short. Buy it. If you would like to increase your garden of ideas. Okay. I like that. What about you, Shade? I mean, like Tim, I'm also a fanboy, so I bought it ages ago. But um, I'm actually going to say, uh, you know, I know not everyone likes to do digital content and for good reason. But Mm -hmm. this book is also divided or this set is divided between three books. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say if you do digital, buy, buy in pieces, buy the things that sound really interesting to you because you can buy literally individual monsters and things like that through D and D beyond, Mm. which is, which is neat. There's something to be said about that. I should also note as an aside, there are two backgrounds, uh, the astral drifter and wild spacer, which I did forget about, but I forgot. Yeah, (laughs) they're, they're, they're nice. They're nice. They're doing the, the, the new background thing where it comes with a feat, uh, which is cool. Um, so I would recommend buying pieces, but in particular, uh, if you're a physical buyer, I would say uh, go ahead and get the adventure, uh, which is the light of Xerixis. Uh, definitely get Boo's astral menagerie, mm-hmm. and then maybe borrow uh, the astral adventurer's guide so that you can snag the things that are player options. Uh, and then maybe look to second edition for your uh, for your spell your, jamming rules. <laughs> yeah, your your yeah. lore and setting stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, not even not even lore and setting, yeah. just your just your hard and fast rules, and you do have to adapt them, of yep. course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to, know... I want negative numbers. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hey. At least in uh, the important thing about the Astral Ventures Guide, it tells us the rules of how to go astral fishing. Yeah, I mean, that's all. And in the end, that's all we want. Right. That's all we want. Right. Well, 
Well, guys, thank you so much for taking me to the magic space that is Spelljammer. Uh, it's super great to be able to just talk through it with two people who know it so well. Um, that's a great recommendation. We have uh, a buy from a super hardcore fanboy. So if you're a super hardcore fanboy, then you maybe should buy it as well. And then a, a, a more practical for the layman <laughs> like me from Shade uh, to the parts that are like uh, the one, the standout parts of the the. Uh, expansion as well so thank you guys so much uh is there anything you guys want to plug talk about here at the end of tabletops tim we're of course going to have you back on at some point um, i'm sure <laughs> you look scared <laughs> i'm flat i'm flat i'm very flattered I, i'm very flattered tim, you're a cool uh, guy and everyone loves you yeah i couldn't have said it I better myself it. but <laughs> tim is there kiss, kiss, hug, hug. is there uh something that as a cool guy that everybody loves that you're doing right now that you want to plug anything at all I will unfortunately say, like every other white man, I have a podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's about movies. I'm doubly sorry. But there is an overarching narrative, which is very funny. Uh, so if you're into that sort of thing, uh, the podcast is AIPT Movies. Uh, it's, it's in association with Adventures in Poor Taste, which is a website about comic books. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, I will include this in the show notes as well. Um, and can people find that on all platforms or only specific ones? They can find it wherever podcasts are streamed. I love that sentence. All right, Shade, everyone knows you. They also love you. You're a pretty cool guy. What do you What do you got brewing for us? I actually do have something this time around. Um, I, I took on a, a little project just for me. Um, but if you're interested in looking through uh, eight subclasses for fifth edition i mean one D D, um <laughs> but absolutely fifth edition because who knew about that uh you can check out dm's guild uh and on dm's guild if you search for yonder yarns that's y-o-n-d-e-r space y-a-r-n-s um there are a few subclasses uh it's it's Two subclasses for uh, each class. It's barbarian, each class of barbarians, uh, bards, clerics, and druids. And, you know, from time to time, I hope to put out more content like that when I can. I've already read through this. It's really awesome. This one is pay what you can, or you could go to uh, Tabletop's Patreon. It's also available there for people who <laughs> who uh, are patrons of the podcast. Um Definitely check it out. It's really cool, and Shade is uh, pretty awesome at designing these things. So give it a look. Oh, thank you. He's a pretty good guy. I I will say just just please just download it for free. I do not want any money whatsoever, but I would love to hear your input and uh and and any like way that I could improve it so that I can just continue to make that stuff better. Awesome. And I'm going to also plug something uh, because, hey, this is my podcast. I can do with that No, you're sometimes. not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's your house, man. Is that we actually do have a Patreon now. If you want to sign up, uh, please do. You can do so for as little as $1 a month. We throw a bunch of, or I'm endeavoring to throw a bunch of uh, free content for everybody who uh, is a patron all the way... Uh, down to the one dollar all of the extra behind the scenes look if we get 100 patrons we're gonna do an extra episode a month uh sort of ask me anything uh for the group of dms that frequent this and also um you can get things as cool as 30 seconds of airtime uh if you do some of the higher tiers so feel free to take a look at that it's uh patreon.com tabletopped and if we get 50 uh, patrons, I'm going to release an episode of a uh, podcast that I made during a class about how to make podcasts oh, no. called Pooped the Pants, <laughs> <laughs> which is a podcast, uh, which is a podcast about how I am convinced that everybody uh, has pooped their pants and also like the stories of people who have pooped their pants in a uh, non-sickness related setting. So if you're interested in that, get your friends to subscribe. <laughs> We're, we're discounting being babies. Yeah? Yes, the basic okay. the basic rules is you can't be a baby. You can't okay. you can't be like completely sick, diarrhea sort of like oh, I just ate something really bad. Uh, it had to be like kind of something 
of it had to be a consequence of your decisions. Um, so it's uh, it's a fun podcast where we explore uh, why this happens to us and what it what it says about about each and every one of us. So if you, that's interests you, it might be a thing eventually. <laughs> I, Nick, there's a lot there's a lot of meat on that bone. Well I know, right? I thought it was great, and I got a great I got some great art of some pants with a big brown stain right in the middle. <laughs> you know, it's. I, I will say it, it, it's a fantastic podcast. I would put it number two on my list. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, let's close this shit down. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to Tabletop. Uh, we'll be back soon. Next week, we're going to be having an interview with Dr. Moya McTeer of Exolore fame. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, world building with her, and I think you'll be interested. So we'll see you then. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>